This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Mumba, I kind of did it and then aborted it. That would sound terrible. Please don't do that. No, I won't do that. Don't worry about it. <laughs> That's for the bloopers. Hello and welcome back to Green and White. Since we last met, we've played three games, gained two points and bagged ourselves a place in a semi-final. Not a bad start of the year for Stephen Schumacher's plucky pilgrims. I'm Aaron, and joining me this week are Joe, Sam and John. Joe, how are you? Very well, yourself? I'm good. Sam, recovered from Saturday? Just about, just about. Still got a bit of a sore throat, just about. And last but not least, John, all good? Have you boarded the Wayne train? Have you boarded the Wayne train? For, for, the, for the listeners who are unaware of the... Gene, maverick genius that is Pete Bock. Uh, he's the Liverpool Darwin Nunes guy. If you're unaware of what that is, I advise you to not look it up. But um, yeah, he's a Liverpool fan who does awful chants on TikTok. But uh, a certain uh, Mr. Pie Face asked him to do a chant for Ben Wayne, which he did. Uh, and this was the first thing I saw when I woke up this morning and I was absolutely delighted. So I thought I'd share it with all of you. It was very funny. Really good because Joe loves TikTok chat. So that's good. I, I love people. I can't wait for them to play that at Wembley in the Margarita Trophy final. We've got to get there first. We've got to get there first. We'll get onto that later, Jay. Save your excitement. Can't wait. Can't let's, wait. let's just start with, obviously, the latest game. Uh, to be honest, I'm not really bothered if we even cover Bolton because nil-nil draw up north, whatever. Uh, obviously, Bally Mumbers, 93rd minute strike on loan. Norwich man getting the equaliser. Who wants to, who wants to lead on the Ipswich chat? So, yes, my thoughts on the Ipswich game, um, it was a very good performance. It was very clearly see it was two sides who are two of the very best sides in the league. Um, they played well for large spells of the game. We certainly played well for large spells of the game as well. Uh, I think we aced the first half. 
Um, I think it was a bit of a mistake bringing off Danny Mayer. We lost a bit of control in the midfield, taking one man out of central midfield. Wasn't great. And um, But obviously, when we brought Finn and Dabs back on, we dominated the last 10 and we quite deservedly got an equalising goal. I think the draw was a very fair result. Both sides showed a lot of quality. But as well as the quality, we showed mental resilience. So many Argyle teams of years or times gone by would have probably not had that determination to get that late goal. But what we did, Mumba pulled out the, the big moment when it mattered most. And what, what I want to say great work by um, Zab as well it's, it's for that one. It felt, it felt to me, and I guess we'll only know this at the end of the season, but it sort of felt to me like one of those games where you look back and you think that's, that's where we did it, if we, if we do it. Um, you know, how many times have we been in a good position to do something and messed it up for ourselves? I mean, when we were 1-0 down there, I was sort of there quite despondent, really thinking, we don't deserve this. They've not really been much better than us, but this is the way it is when you're a Plymouth Argyle fan, you just don't get the breaks. And however good we've been this season, you know, this is a big, this is a big, big loss, obviously, would put them back within real touching distance of us. Um, And, you know, to then actually get that moment almost out of nothing, really. I mean, it's kind of how it looked to me. It was Mumba hit it, something that's in the back of the net. Um, is just it was just a incredible moment. Amazing, amazing limbs. And then I guess if you think about if you think back to last season, we did lose one nil there. Obviously, it was a somewhat less consequential game in the sweep of the season. They were mid-table, obviously improving a lot under under their recently appointed manager, Kieran McKenna, but they weren't in with a playoff shout, really. They weren't they weren't a direct rival of ours. But nonetheless was obviously a game that, you know, is one of those where if we had won it and, and got a couple of points in other games, um we might have uh, just pipped Wickham into that sixth uh, place and, and that final playoff spot. But we did lose one nil. And and to be in that same position but to actually get that equalised, it feels kind of in microcosm like a a metaphor for how far we've come since since last April. Um, obviously, very fine margins and a mumba strike that as as you know full blooded as it was took a pretty significant deflection and nicked into the top corner. But we deserved it. We kept going, and as Sam says, it was two really good teams who I think slugged it out and spoke to Ipswich fans after the game. Right, I think acknowledged that we um, deserved the point as well. So yeah, it was. Um, it was a great moment, and while there's still a long way to go, I, I can't help but feel that we might look back at the end of the season on that as being incredibly significant. Yeah, Joe, you had a visual reaction then to when to Sam's claim that taking off Danny Mayer was wrong. I just want to, I just want to pull you up on that. Yeah, um, I don't. Weirdly, for a game of this nature, I don't think. Danny Mayer was perhaps as a set, as effective as perhaps we all thought or hoped he might have been, um, and I could I could see why he made the change. Um, I thought this was a game um, very similar to Rotherham at home last year. I thought it was two very good sides going toe to toe. I actually thought across the whole piece we were we were not even marginally the better side. I think we had the better intent in our attacking play. Um, obviously, they hit the bar through harness. Um, Ryan Hardy. Well, yeah, okay. Um, somehow hit the bar 
Um, but in the first half, I mean, we we got ourselves into some glorious positions that I think if you'd said to us at the start of the day, we were going to find ourselves in those positions against side like Ipswich at Portman Road in front of 29,000, you'd have been taken away in a straitjacket. Um, the Niall Ennis chance in the first half is a wonderful effort by himself. I think he is really showing everyone what he's all about at the moment. Um, I thought... Yeah, I mean, a point was the very least we deserved. And actually, I've got a feeling, had we nicked it, I don't think too many people could have complained. Had it been the other way around, we'd have felt very aggrieved. If we'd come away from their 1-0 defeat, we'd have been proud of the performance, but we'd have been very, very disappointed with the result. Um, But I really do think that across the whole game, I felt we had the better chances and I felt we were the better side. Um, So, yeah, I mean... A point's a point. It's a great result. Um, it's another point closer to safety. Safety. It's another point closer to the title. Um, old, old, old mentality dies hard there from the Plymouth Argyle fan. Sorry, I'm so I'm so used to it in League One. Um, it, it's another point closer to me having to take a bus driving license. Um, <laughs> so yeah, look, it, it's a great result, um, and we move on. Good sides, good sides find a way to pick up points in tough games. Rotherham make a habit out of it every year in League One. I thought Wigan did it every every other year. Sorry, every every other year, year, every other year in League One. I thought Wigan were very effective at it last year in just finding ways to get results. Um, And look, we have done it on Saturday. We are going to have to do it again in in three weeks' time, aren't we? So. I felt, uh, yeah, I think we said it so many times on this podcast, Um, you know, there being this slight kind of misunderstanding that good teams are supposed to smash it every week. And actually, it's just about grinding out results. But I think I think to your other point, Saturday wasn't exactly that. I mean, obviously, with the the circumstances of Mumba scoring in the last minute, it is is grinding out a result just by definition, because when you want nil down in the 92nd minute, it is kind of nicking it to get something after that. But yeah, in terms of the the whole game, we deserved at least a draw. Um, and I think it was really great to see us go there and, and play football. And, and before the game, I was saying to Aaron and Sam, actually, that I had kind of mentally checked us into getting battered just because, not that that was my prediction for the game necessarily, but Ipswich are a side that seems to be a bit more feast or famine than us. They don't seem to win a lot of games kind of handily. They seem to have a very disappointing draw or absolutely thump the other side. That could be actually a misrepresentation of their actual results, but that's kind of how it, that's the sort of vibe they give off, I think to a greater degree than us. So I was kind of thinking, I think, you know, I was thinking before the game, there's a real chance that they're just going to come out here like a steam train, um, be really up for this, get a couple of early goals and, and yeah, and, and, and do us over. And, and I was saying to Aaron and Sam before the game, that I think the important thing in that case would have been how we reacted to it and, not kind of seeing it as our season being over and not kind of taking away the psychological damage of that. So for that to not be the case at all, for us to have, I think even compared to the Bolton game, where despite getting a point, my understanding is that they dominated us or put us under pressure for quite long spells. There was not really a period in the game where I felt like Ipswich really came at us, really battered us. We held our own for almost the entire match. Um, yeah, and and for me, that that's as pleasing as... The result, although obviously the result would have been pleasing. However, the you know, you know, a one-one draw there would probably have been pleasing, whatever the circumstances. I would disagree very slightly with that. Just, just purely on that one point that there wasn't any phase in the game where they really were on top. I think after they went one 0 up, 
they were really knocking on the door after that. I think there was a 10 to 15 minute spell after that where we where we didn't really have any control. But what I would say, I don't think that would I don't think that was down to any inherent lack of quality on our end. I think that was purely down to being a man short in midfield. And Schumacher immediately addressed that by ringing the dad back on. Going back to Joe's sort of point about Danny Mayer, I agree he didn't have the most amazing individual game. I think the problem wasn't as such Mayer coming off per se. It was Mayer coming off and the formation going from 3-5-2 to 3-4-3. So going a bit tactical, I, I have liked the 3-4-3 formation a lot this season. I think it's a lot more suited to certain players, Adam Randall being one of them. But I do think against the very best teams in the league, 3-5-2 is good because it gives us that more control of the midfield and it allows us to have an extra man in the midfield and that allows us to get in the that control to make the good chances. I just feel that our our weakest period of the game was the interregnum between Mayer coming off and Azad coming on. And I think that was the one period that it scored and also looked looked like they might score again. They had a, they had, they had a lot of uh, not that many clear cut chances in that even in that spell to be fair, but they had a lot of uh time for the ball sort of whizzed across the area. I think it was in that spell that Cooper did that incredibly incredible diving salmon header as well was also in that spell. So it, it was really in that spell where they did get a little bit more control. But like I said, I don't think that was down to us being shown up for lack of quality. I think it was down to a very rare tactical error by Schumacher that he then corrected himself on by ringing the dance back on, in my opinion. Tactical error is a strong way to go about it. I think the the main point about everything we said here, I think we all appreciate just what a good side Ipswich are. And they did have a mo- they did have a real moment in the game. Perhaps it was, as Sam said, their best moment in the game was after they went 1-0 up when perhaps we were just a little bit sort of finding our feet back in the game. But the important thing there was unlike an Argyle side of old, heads didn't drop. They kept going. They kept playing the right way. They kept going, belief in the system. And they they just stuck at it. But I think the bigger, broader point about all this is that we all know it. We all know what a good side we are. We all know that where we are at this stage of the season isn't a fluke. This was the game. This was the week. Actually, forget the game. This was the week in the season where the rest of League One and perhaps the wider football public, who perhaps maybe had doubts, they smelt the coffee. They realised that actually this is a side that are to be taken very seriously. And Ipswich knew, Ipswich thought going into that game, I'm absolutely sure of it, that they were going to, come out, steamroll us first 15 minutes, maybe get an early goal, get the crowd on their side. And actually, first 15 minutes, we really got in their faces and they didn't expect that. And we pressed and we pressed. And that's the way you stop Ipswich. If you listen to all the Ipswich podcasts after the game, they know that. And we've we've essentially given Sheffield Wednesday a game plan in a month's time. Because if they go there and do that, do that, Sheffield Wednesday got a very good chance of getting a positive result. But this was the week with the point of Bolton, the win in midweek, and this point on Saturday, this was the point I think that a lot of people who perhaps had doubts for whatever reason have sat there and thought they've got the stay in power. They're a serious outfit. <laughs> you know, I, jo- I joked on this pod a week ago that I was fully aboard paid up member of the promotion booze cruise it's it, it's an open top bus parade but i am going to hire a ferry if anyone wants to join us on a booze cruise because this is getting serious and we're going somewhere that a decade ago looked scarcely believable to a point 
<laughs> Quite a few of those points could be made for the same at Bolton, right? That just by avoiding defeat when they were thoroughly on top, we had we had a chance right at the end with with obviously the Wayne train to to, to snatch something. Obviously, Will Ameson, I don't know where he's learned that, but you know, and just grinding out results against teams that think they're gonna they're gonna roll us over, and that's. You talk about staying power. There was a tweet from Rory Drake. I don't know if you guys saw it. He made the brilliant point that Fleetwood have taken more points off us this season than multiple games against Wednesday, Ipswich, Bolton, Derby, Barnsley and Wickham combined. Yeah, that's fantastic. That says staying power, right? Yeah, we're, we're, a, serious, we're a serious outfit. Like it's People are now starting to see that. We've known it all along. We, I know we obviously had last season where we fell away and rightfully off the back of that people thought we probably would this year but but I think that was always that was always based on a misunderstanding I don't think we fell away last year um as much as our fixtures fell against us in a particular pattern like last yeah, I year accept we that. consistently consistently beat poor sides and consistently did not do well against the teams in and around us in the top seven and our final final running happened to be all of the teams in and around us more or less so yeah I think it was an element of yeah. running out of energy but also like yeah, just the distribution of games over the course of the season, we'd probably have got those same results whenever they fell or, or something like it, in my opinion. Um, this season is the polar opposite. This season we we played the, you know, beat literally every other team in the top eight, right? I think in, in the first couple of months of the season. So anyone anyone thinking we're going to fall away because we've got a mentality problem, I think is failing to take into account the kind of distribution of fixtures. And actually our big problem last year was not getting results against good sides. And this year, as you just mentioned, that's that's not a problem anymore. Seem, well, seeming yeah. not a problem anymore. And and obviously we're getting to the point where we're really getting through those games now. Um, because if anything, unlike last year, our fixtures are falling completely the other way around. We played the good sides in the kind of first tranche of fixtures and then the, the sort of second first tranche, if that makes sense. And then we've actually got a run in that looks more favourable on paper than the one we had last year by quite some way. So, you know, obviously we have laboured against some of those teams that we're supposed to have beaten comfortably this year. But... On the whole, obviously, you know, we haven't done that badly against those teams. We've done very well against the top teams. And that, I think, accounts for the massive improvement that we've made. So I, I, we could fall away, but it, it's, I don't think it's inevitable based on based on what we did last season at all. I don't think you can play down just how important it is that in the space of a week, we've gone on two really long journeys to two really hostile grounds in front of two very vociferous and passionate home supports and we've come out of it unscathed. That is a big, big positive for this group. The only thing I'd say is that just just slightly on that is I thought the Ipswich fans were poor on Saturday. I was expecting it to be a real bear pit, and I sensed a lot of quietness, a lot of nervousness. I think their fans were in substantially better voice when we went there in April, and they were kind of on an upswing under McKenna. Um, I really felt a kind of nervous energy from that home crowd, and I think we made a lot more noise than they did, but obviously was, you know, right in the middle of that talking of which obviously we expected a wednesday uh you know even even barnsley even a, a bolton level of noise and I, I have absolutely no idea why portman road is so quiet like in every single one of my visits there it's just been it's been dead and and we, we were supposed to be going into this absolute like chamber of hell and um basically my question for sam is how did you manage to sneak a bowling ball into Portman Road? 
<laughs> I feel we should probably uh, explain that reference for a lot of the listeners that might have gone over their heads. There was, um, there was well, I think the issue was it, the issue was it hit someone in the head, didn't go over the head. <laughs> it most definitely would have would have caved their skull in. So it's definitely yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was an issue on social media who surely falsely claimed that an Argyle fan threw a bowling ball off of the off the top tier onto the empty fan in the lower tier, which surely is absolute nonsense, I think. But uh who knows? <laughs> I was gonna yeah, I was just gonna pick up on the point regarding the atmosphere. I, I wouldn't quite go as far as that one. I have been there in the past, so they've had a very good home atmosphere, but I don't think that was the case. I think it was good at times, but as John said, very much a nervous energy. You could very much tell that they were more nervous than we were. I think Argyle fans were more excited than they were nervous. Ipswich fans were, were more nervous than they were excited, and that energy did reflect on the level of noise the two teams made. They are they are clearly not enjoying this very much, because I think they thought at the beginning of the season they would walk up, and they aren't. And I think that weight of expectation seems to be hanging really heavy around Maybe not next to the players, but certainly the fans. I mean, anecdotal, of course, but walking away from the ground, the Ipswich fans that I saw just looked ashen-faced at the end. I thought McKenna in his post-match interview looked really down in the dumps, which obviously is understandable. You're not going to be happy after conceding a 93rd-minute equaliser. But, you know, it felt like they almost looked kind of shell-shocked. Um, I think I said, when you asked what our New Year's resolutions for Argyle should be, I said we should enjoy the ride. And I think that actually... We went there on Saturday and looked like a team and a fan base that are enjoying the ride and are just buzzing to be where we are and it's kind of like let the chips fall where it may. And, and actually, I think that really gave us a positive energy that enabled us to play the way we did. Um, and I think if we'd gone there being hyper-nervous, we probably wouldn't have played as well. So, yeah. Obviously, talking about being hyper-nervous, Sam, I think you might be the best place to talk us through that Ryan Hardy miss. I don't quite know how he did it. Um, it, it wasn't as if it was his weaker foot. It wasn't as if um, it was coming in at any incredibly difficult speed. It wasn't as if um, you know, he had to stretch for it. He had, he had a good body shape. He was maybe leaning back a bit too much, but that, that's all you could say. You know, he, was, he was in a really good position to score, and I think he must have just had a, had a bit of a head loss. And we, we know with Ryan Hardy that when, when he gets lads Johnson, when he gets those finishes, great. They look absolutely wonderful, but... Um, when his head's not in the right place, he can miss some absolute howlers. And I don't want to criticise him too much. He's still our top scorer this season in all competitions. But um, yeah, we, we, we were all sort of uh, tearing our hair out a bit in the way into that one. I think um, John was a couple of rows below me. And I just remember John looking around at me with absolutely a gasp look on his face and me just shaking my head. And I think that summed it up. It was um, quite an incredible miss, unfortunately. I'm sure he won't want to watch it back. Was that before or after you threw a bowling ball? <laughs> the reason, the reason why he threw a bowling ball is furious. It, it, um, it, 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 it was actually around the time that somebody who will not be mentioned was sick all over the stand next to him. We won't mention that person's name, and if they listen, they know who they are. Obviously, we saw uh, Jay Matete start, and we saw, uh, I, was, I was half expecting uh, early to start instead of Gillespie, but uh, you know, he played well. Uh, we've, we've seen all of our new signings play in some form or another, obviously, Bolton and um, at Bolton and Ipswich, and obviously in the in the Papa Johns, um, any of those impressed you? Who's impressed you the most? Nice simple one. Jay Matete, uh, for sure. The, the, I'm not saying that the others have been unimpressive, but I think Matete has completely looked an absolute class above in a way that none of the others quite have. 
I don't get me wrong, I think Randall's great. I think Houghton's had a good season. Um, but Matete, I think, it just come in and looked an absolute, and I know this is a bit of a, a football cliche, looked an absolute Rolls Royce for the CM. He, I think he, I think he's got everything. He can um he's got the he's got the technical side of it, he's got that close control of the ball, he can pass, he can pick out a good pass, but also he he he's an absolute uh, dominator of the pitch. He covers so much ground, he's uh, he's very strong, very quick. He just has absolutely every attribute you could possibly want from a, a central midfielder, in my opinion. And I think he, more than anyone else, um, I, I know I've kind of mentioned on this podcast, I'm the least convinced out of anybody on here that we will, in fact, come top two. Whilst I'm not still quite saying we'll come top two, I am closer than I ever have been to saying Aaron's rolling his eyes for the benefit of the listeners. I am, I am closer than I ever have been to saying we'll come top two. And a part of the reason for that is the psychological aspect of these two big uh, draws at very tough teams. When, like John said last season, we would have lost those games. Part of it is that. Part two is Jamie Tete. But I think he would just absolutely control the midfield in certain games and he'll, he'll help us get over the line in games he might otherwise have drawn. And I think the third is Finnadaz. But I think he's just like an e-signing coming back. He, I think he, again, tilted the game back in our favour. And I think, well, it was a great number goal. It was a really good, incisive piece to play for a Bavs to play it to him in so much space as well. So that shouldn't go underappreciated. The whilst I'm not quite there yet, I'm uh, I'm enjoying the ride. Or at least I'm trying to, and I'm closer to it than I've ever been. And Jay Matete, huge, huge reason why. Um, in terms of the others, I think Tyreek White, uh, Tyreek White, Tyreek, Tyreek, Tyreek Wright didn't play very much. Um, Callum Callum Wright, he only played sort of sixty minutes as well. So a bit of a limited sample size for them. Ben Wayne looks to be signing as well. Um, Maybe it's finishing um, was uh, in, in the Pizza Cup game. He got one goal. He could have got a couple more. But, look, yeah, looks very energetic, very full of life. And, uh, again, a lot of attention there, too, I think. My, um, my, it's annoying because my too clever by half answer to that question was going to be Finazaz as well. Um, but I think it's worth reiterating. He's, he's like a new signing. He really is. I, for me, he's the best player in the league uh, on technical ability with the probable exception of Barry Bannon, who is injured and getting on a bit. Um You've got other players you could argue are maybe better, like Josh Windass. But for me, having on Saturday, you looked a head above any Ipswich player on the pitch for the entire game. Um, I think was a hugely underrated factor in us just getting control of the pace and tempo of the game um, towards the end of it. And as Sam says, Mumba gets all the plaudits for an incredible finish, albeit with a deflection. But Azaz did so well to just kind of calmly thread that ball through to him in the area. He is absolutely like a new signing and if we can keep him fit I think it's going to be our most important player heading in in through the through the running otherwise I'd agree with Sam on, on all of the other uh signings I think um with maybe the exception that I'm a little more excited by the prospect of of Ben Wayne than he is I think which is a little ironic because I wasn't necessarily one of these people jumping on the Wayne signing as New Zealand's biggest news story of the 21st century and like like some were maybe but um he, uh, I thought he looked seriously energetic and and like a handful at switch in a game where he didn't actually get on the ball too much. Um, so, are, are you uh, making a dig in our host there, John, for appearing on New Zealand radio? Not at all. Any chance? Not at all. <laughs> I didn't know he'd been on New Zealand radio. He didn't mention it. Um, but uh, Never I, uh, it um, <laughs> I, uh, no, I, I think I think Wayne against, let's say, Cheltenham at home to pick a random team. Uh, could be seriously exciting in the in that kind of game. So, I sort of feel like I should mention Sam Cosgrove and Nigel Lomvite because Sam mentioned every other loney, and it, it sort of feels remiss not to mention them. Um, in terms of the five new signings, I think if I was a supporter of Sunderland, um, I'd 
be very excited. Not only the future of Jay Matete, but they must have a seriously good midfield for him not to be anywhere near it. Like the <laughs> the, the cameo at Bolton and this performance on Saturday just outlined every quality I think this lad has, and he is just. I always, I've never been against a midfield of Randall and Houghton because I think they're two very safe and secure options for this side. But Matete's just given us something else. And it's it's going to be very interesting to see if anyone can displace him from the team. Because from what I've seen in just a performance and a half, I think he plays every minute between now and the end of the season. Touch wood, he stays fit. If anybody wants to know uh, about our new signings more in depth than Sam's run us through already, obviously check out our bonus pods. But um, in there, I spoke to Graham, obviously a Sunderland fan, and he uh, he says exactly that that they're just their their midfield is just is just too good at the moment. But they definitely see Jay Matete as the future of their midfield, which is always good. An absolute brilliant pickup. Obviously, John's already touched on the fact that we play a random team up next in Cheltenham Town. Who who misses out? Who starts? Because surely Schumacher now has a real selection headache. Michael Cooper will start. <laughs> I hope so. Yes. No, no selection headache there. You say that, though, but Callum Burton has got us to our first semi-final. So. I thought we were coming on to that later. Well, we wouldn't, we wouldn't want Cheltenham Town to get too much of a like inside insight into the performances of Callum Burton ahead of that, our most important game of the season in the uh, Papa John Trophy. So I, I would probably start Cooper just to be safe on, on Saturday. I don't... It's interesting because I was having this conversation with a good friend of mine earlier in the week about how we've now got a squad of 23, 24 players um, and how are we going to utilise them all? Are we going to look to move one or two of them on? And I, I don't think we ever will because each game a different opposition commands a different type of player. So, for example, John's favourite centre-forward, Sam Cosgrove, Saturday's game at Ipswich at Portman Road was never, ever, ever, with all due respect to Sam, was never going to be his afternoon. Now, had the fixture been slated in at Accrington next Tuesday, I'd have had him almost nailed on to start just because of how Accrington play, the state of the pitch, etc., etc. So each opposition and each situation demands a different type of character. Now, I think on average we've made four or five changes every game. And I think that's testament to how much work goes into analysing each opposition. So I wouldn't overly be confident on naming the 11, let alone... The, well, I certainly wouldn't even be confident on naming the seven subs, let alone the starting 11. Um but don't be surprised if one or two people who played a key role in Saturday's point at Ipswich actually sit this one out, but then get recalled at Sheffield Wednesday in a few weeks. And those that perhaps star on Saturday don't get in at Sheffield Wednesday. It's, it's a funny one at the moment, but it's it's certainly going to keep everyone excited up until two o'clock on a match day, trying to work out who and what's going to play where. So one thing you really have to realise is that whatever permutation you pick, at least three um, you know, proper first team players, three or four, will miss out. And that's not including the ones who are injured. So if we were to just do this very, very quick and hypothetical 11, Cooper in goal, Wilson, Scargillespie back three, Edwards and Mumba, the wing backs, 
Randall and Matete midfield, and the front three being, say, I don't know, Advance, Mayor and Ennis, let's say. That's just an example. Then a very quick bench you could do uh, Burton, Longwike, Houghton, uh, Callum Wright, Tyreek Wright, Ben Wayne. And I think that's six. And it, Bert, Bert Lomick Houghton, both rights and Wayne. One more, let's say, um, uh, you know, Hardy, for example, of the one more. That would still leave out Saxon Ely, uh, Sam Cosgrove, uh, James Bolton, Matt Butcher. That's four players. That's not even including Galloway, Conor Grant, Mikel Miller being out injured. Uh, Ryan Law, who has now been recorded that, you know, he, he's out as well. Um, not that he probably would play that many to be fair, but you, you know, what, what, whichever way you cut it, if every player is fit, that's probably seven or eight fairly established first team regulars who would miss out on any given match day squad. That suddenly shows that out of nowhere we've got incredible depth in our squad when for so long we were having to play give minutes to players like Crash, Endicott, Roberts, without being disrespectful to them. It, it was a very tough situation to throw them in in a lot of those games. So the fact that the fact that we now have probably as many as six, seven, eight established first team players not even getting in the squad is just incredible, isn't it? I am um, one player I would really back to start on Saturday is Callum Wright. Um, but number one because I think that part of our rotation, as well as being to match up the team that we happen to be playing in a given game is about giving players confidence. He completely missed out on the squad against Ipswich after what, by all accounts, was a pretty underwhelming debut from the start against Bolton. So it wouldn't surprise me for Shuey to do a kind of vote of confidence in him. But more than that, Shuey's like most pleasingly kind of football cliches uh, uh, sort of um, tick, which she doesn't really have many of, is he likes to play players against their former clubs because he he thinks they'll be well up for it. Um, and to be fair, he's had some success doing that in the past. And, and we know that Wright obviously was very good for Cheltenham last season. So it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him thrown in from the start. I think the big question mark for me is Azaz, because, you know, having said that he is uh, the best player in the league, I should probably caveat and say I think he's probably the best outfield player in the league because Michael Cooper is, I think, probably even better than Azaz for this level. But beyond Cooper, I'd say Azaz is the first name on the team sheet if he's fit. The question is, is as as fully fit. My sense of it is probably that we used him under duress at Ipswich and that if we'd been winning that game, he would not have featured from the bench. I think it might be a little too early to see him risked from the start in a game where you'd think we could probably win it without him, um, with the option of him coming on if things go pear-shaped. So I I would not expect to see Azaz, um, but I, I don't think Azaz is one of those who'll be rotated in and out. I think he'll be, I think he'll be right there on the team sheet. The other one I think you could possibly see playing would be Wayne um, from the start as a possibility. He might go with Wayne and Ennis just after Hardy's miss. And, and like I said, to give Wayne a run out against a team where he might get, you think would get some more sniffs on goal. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him feature. Um, I also don't think we'll go with both Gillespie and Lonvijk, uh in the side. I'd imagine given that we're supposedly managing Gillespie's minutes that he'll probably be rested um for more difficult challenges to come and we'll see long bike in the back three and then uh maybe edwards back in at right wing back and mumber over to the left maybe a debut for early who's another one who hasn't really had his chance yet under schumacher you could you could also see that i think you'll, i think you'll use that rotation not just to match up as i said not just to match up the opposition but to make the players feel like they're all kind of part of a, a cause as well and given that Cheltenham are one of the weaker sides in the league um while being no pushovers of course um i could see him maybe making a few a few changes of that ilk on Saturday. Just 
quickly, does following his um, rather unfortunate and rather unattractive bombs on his head at the weekend, does Dan Scar have to go through any concussion protocols? Do we know? I believe not, because he came back on, didn't he? And his head is his head is made of bricks as well. So ah, of course it is. Yes. Um, just very quickly on the point that John just made, I would, I'd, I'd probably feel a lot more comfortable trying to tell you which team's going to play on the fourth of February at Hillsborough than which team's going to play on the twenty first of January at Home Park. Um, but I would, if I was a gambling man, um, which you know obviously I'm not, um, I would probably invest some money in the fact that Macaulay Gillespie will be rested for this game. Um, as John says, they've been very clear they're managing his workload um, and bigger fish lay ahead to tackle in the ocean than Cheltenham Town. Well, Cheltenham again, of course, being the biggest fish that we've got to play in the coming months. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Very, very good. The only thing I would say, going back to selection, is um, there is a two-week break after this game because the Accrington game has now been postponed till March due to due to Accrington's own FA Cup game being postponed. So the Accrington game is now not going to be played till March. Um, so And then obviously the Saturday after would have been Derby, but they're playing in the Cup. So long story short, there is, the, there is a two-week gap between the Cheltenham game and Hillsborough. Now, whether obviously like Derek Adams did in times gone by, he used that to get away for some warm weather training, whether Schumacher will do the same thing to be seen, but in terms of games, it's a two-week gap. So what I'm saying, maybe this is actually a game that lends itself more to picking, maybe with the exception of a dad who's coming back from injury, generally lends itself to picking your best players, your best possible eleven, because they're not going to play for another two weeks after. So you may as well kind of get the get the minutes out of the system knowing that they've got a two-week gap possibly. So I would I would obviously maybe not start a dad, I'd maybe have him to come on for half an hour if needed, but other than that, I would pretty much play the best possible team, I think. The, the contrary case to make would be that if you've got two weeks off, risking players who are not fully fit is completely insane when they're about to get a two-week break would, would maybe be the counterpoint. I certainly think he's obviously going to pick a team he thinks is capable of winning the game and, and no fully expect us to win the game. But yeah, I'd expect some fairly hefty rotation without without it weakening You know how how good we look. Obviously, you guys have already answered it for me. I was going to say, does the two-week break hinder or help us? But uh, you've done that anyway. So, uh, John, you also touched on it there. Schumacher likes starting players against their former sides. Obviously, it worked wonders for Sam Cosgrove as he backed a 17-minute hat-trick in the Papa John's against AFC Wimbledon. Uh, a 2-0 win over very bitter Joey Barton and his Bristol Rovers side. Sees us through to the semi-final of the Pizza Cup. The club really want to win this, don't they, Joe? Joe, for those of you who can't see, which is all of you apart from us, because we're on Zoom, is holding something that looks like he wants to kind of detonate it in front of his face. Oh, God. Um, yes, 2-0 away win at Bristol Rovers on a foul evening. Um, and <laughs> I'm not going to turn around and say it was a foul result because it wasn't, let's be honest. We're, we're all sat here. We're all partisan. We're all Plymouth Argyle supporters. We all want Plymouth Argyle to win trophies. Um, and there is nothing more than I would like to see than Plymouth Argyle walking out of the home of football in April, lifting the, a, a great big pizza in front of the world, um, which I presume is what you get for winning this nowadays instead of a tin of paint. Actually, I think it came at the perfect time, that fixture against Bristol Rovers. I thought it was a competitive, you know, it looked like it was a competitive game. 
I've only watched the two minute highlights on YouTube because that's about as much interest as I'll give it. And it looked like we were all over them. <clears throat> ben Wayne could have had a hat trick. By all accounts, should have had a hat trick. Ryan Hardy scored a very good Ryan Hardy goal, getting in behind and powering away and slotting it past the keeper. I'm not going to give it as much airtime as perhaps Aaron had planned in the script writing, but look, we're one game away, aren't we? And it would be foolish to get to this stage and not take it seriously. You could argue that the run in this competition has offered the expenditure for a signing, maybe two signings, because I don't know what we've earned from this tournament. It's the broader point, I suppose. My views on the tournament are very political. Anyone who knows me knows my political stance on the whole thing. I think it's complete and utter tosh. Get rid of the academy sides and maybe bring in non-league sides, make it more interesting for people. But look, the football club have taken it very seriously. We've got this far. Let's go all the way to win it. I certainly won't be going to the Cheltenham game. And then I hope we come out on the right side. We go to Wembley. However many people think it's a good idea to go to Wembley, I hope they buy all the hats and scarves and foam fingers they like. They go to the capital and they have a lovely afternoon watching Joe Edwards lift a meat feast pizza. Um, But I won't be there either. Um, And that's about as much interest as I have in it. But look, I just want to make a broader point because I've had a few people message me about this. I am not anti-Plymouth Argyle in the sense of our progress in this tournament. I am anti the Papa John's trophy in its current format. I haven't been to a game in this tournament since October 2015, I worked out the other night, when we beat Exeter, um, when Craig Tanner went through on goal and we had a floodlight failure in the second half. Um, And until they return the the tournament to where it belongs, I won't be going again. But nothing would make me happier than for Argyle to win a double. And League One... And the Football League Trophy, if you'd said to us at the start of the season, that's how the season's going to go, you'd have snapped your hand off for it. It would be very hypocritical of me not to go to a game since October 2015 and now turn up at a final. Um, so once again, reiterating my stance, I'm not going to Wembley. I hope Argyle are. I hope Shuey has a lovely white suit with a nice green tie planned a la Liverpool in the cup final. Um, and I hope they're all singing Sweet Carolina, rocking all over the world and lifting a great big pizza. It's absolutely brilliant that people have been messaging you. That's, that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> Keep that up. And if you'd uh, like to message Joe your thoughts about whether he's a proper Argyle fan or not, you can at, it's joe at pizzaexpressmanagement.co.uk. <laughs> Obviously, you joke there, Joe, but how cool would the trophy be if it was just a massive pizza? That would be sick. Let's win that. Wouldn't want it. You wouldn't want it in your silverware cabinet, would you? For longer than about three days. Um, Obviously, we we, but, we know uh, Joe's stance on it, and I, I'm not really sure on yours, John. But I know Sam. We've both admitted that we would go, right? Yeah. yeah I was I was going to say I, I'd love to hear Sam Down's case for why it's urgent to boycott the game, but why he personally won't be doing it. So if you, um, you want to well, that, that one up, thing is, John is joking with that. That is that is entirely I'm much. Not- well, whether you're wording it in a in a mocking way, but that is entirely my stance. I can't deny it. Um, I I think the more people boycott the games, generally speaking, the better it will be for not having B teams in the league anytime soon. However, that being said, I'm I'm human, and I think would I regret would I regret it more if I break my principles for one game. Uh, and see Argyle win a trophy, or would it, would it would I regret it more if I stick rigidly to my principles and 
be sat at home and I'll go with a trophy. And I get everyone's different. And I'm not like like Joe the other way, I'm not criticizing anyone you make the other choice. But I don't think I could turn down a Wembley final, to be honest. And I think that's why I will be going there. If it was against an actual on the 21 side, then I think even then I still would not go, even despite me being Wembley. But against Baltimore Accrington, yeah, in that scenario, I will go. So what happens, what happens if we go to Wembley and, you, and we don't win, but you're there? Well, then it's the worst of both worlds, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> then it's the worst of both worlds, going to poke my principles to nothing. <laughs> so that will probably be what happens, won't it? But... Yeah, go on, John. I would, I'd like to, to introduce an element of debate into this podcast where we agree far too much by saying that I think this boycott thing is complete nonsense. Um, I think, look, I don't care about the, the Papa John's trophy. I think it's a rubbish competition. I've never cared about it. I haven't watched any of the games this season on like, I follow or in person. Um, and I'm extremely ambivalent about whether we win it or not. And I also um, am kind of annoyed that we seem to have taken it seriously. Um, from a point of view of fixture congestion. However, I live in London. It would be stupid not to go to the game. And this argument that if people go to games in this competition, it will lead the Premier League to, the Football League, sorry, to introduce Premier League B teams into the pyramid. It just find to be tendentious, speculative nonsense. It does not, it doesn't seem to be rooted in anything. If they, if the football authorities want to do a terrible reform that will damage the game, they'll find a reason to do it and they'll do it because they do what they want. And then the only thing that can stop them from doing they want what they want is, is as we saw with the Super League debacle, fan backlash in response to that specific proposal, which, by the way, I think if they did try and put B-teams into the Football League pyramid, something I do not believe that they're actually inclined to do any time, probably ever, then, then there would be a huge backlash against it. And I think it would trigger a whole debate about reforming the game that they probably don't want to, to unlock. And I think the idea that, you know, the, the Papa John's trophy with, Premier League youth teams attracting a healthy crowd for the final at a stage when there are no Premier League youth teams anywhere near the end of the competition because they've all been knocked out. I just don't get it. Um, and so, yeah, I don't really see any moral or political case to boycott the tournament at all. I think it's boring. I think if you don't care, don't go. But if you do want to go and have a, a nice, you know, wave your foam finger around and eat some pizza at Wembley, then come and join me and, you know, we'll have a great day. And half and again, a half and half, a Argyle Bolton half and half scarf to add to the collection as well. Why not? At least, at least there's one New Year's resolution already been fulfilled. As as Joe furiously shakes his head. Uh, I think we'll call that a day. Before we go, obviously an honorary mention for Argyle women's side beating Budley Salterton, a, a place that I've never heard of, fifteen nil, which is is pretty impressive. I know Charlotte Whitmore had a bloody good game. So you call yourself from Devon, and you've never heard of Budley Salterton. I'm not from Devon. Oh, you don't call yourself from Devon. Fair enough. I've been told on Twitter to provide outros, so here goes. Obviously, uh, make sure to like, follow, subscribe, leave a rating. I noticed that we've got quite a few ratings from about four years ago that aren't aren't very up to date. So leave a rating on Apple Pods or Spotify, and uh, hopefully we'll catch you again. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Aaron. Have you boarded the Wayne train? 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 The TalkSport fan network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. 
That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.